we have been selected by Ethereum Foundation and we have spent like quite a lot of time on like tuning the solution because like we are running like 100,000 validators on Holeshki testnet and we are trying to push the boundaries like what's possible. Everybody can run that like from basically in the end from the home. It reduces the barrier to entry and also like it's more secure because like no party has like the key. Your effectiveness can be like up to 100%. Like the system itself, it's like one of the like best decentralized app I have seen. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bare Metal Podcast. I'm Ship the Code from RockawayX, and today I have here Tomas, our very own Tomas from RockawayX Infra. Welcome. Hello, guys. So, Tomas, give us an introduction to the Infra part of RockawayX. How'd you guys get started? Yeah, basically, we have started in like 2020, like when Solana was launching. My former colleague Dushan uh, basically started running the Solana validator at like a, a, in a small computer, and like he found like it's pretty interesting and like we should like work on work on it more. So I was hired, and now we basically like develop our solution into like to free independent data centers. We own our own hardware, and like everything is operated by our own like team. So basically we have like low third party dependencies, which is like pretty great and in, in aligned like with the narrative of crypto, it should be decentralized. Did you guys start bare metal or did you begin in the cloud and then slowly bought your own service? To be honest, like I was thinking about like running in cloud in the beginning. And then like when I found out like it doesn't make any sense. So basically like everything we have been running is bare metal only like in our own private directing data center. Uh, how do you pick the data centers? You mentioned you're running on three DCs. So first of all, why three and how did you pick them? Why three? It's easy. Like running from one data center, like you have like no, no way to like solve the issue when something goes wrong. Two, sound good, but like still then you have, will have like a split brain pr uh, problem. So that's the reason why we have like three and the way how we like think about like data centers, it's almost about like availability. So like we are looking at like how, how much like uh, lines of electricity are going to the data center, the connectivity and like also like a track record. So for example, like our main data center, hasn't had like a power outage in like 25 years, which is great. I guess availability, you're looking at redundancies to sort of support high availability expectation. Do you also look at security? Exactly. Like uh, security is also like paramount for us because if you are like running cloud and storing your like private key somewhere, you have like no idea like who can like access the server, especially like on those like uh, Hetzner uh, validators running in Hetzner. Like any technician can go there and like plug and like USB stick into the server. So basically, what we are looking also like for uh, is the the process how we can access the server. So basically, like uh, the the data center, uh, you need to have like a chip card. Also, like uh, it scans your eyes, and also like uh, for the like uh, thing, uh, fingertip scan. So it's fingerprint scan. Okay, so biometric identification for anybody yeah. who has access to the DC. So you mentioned cryptographic material, private keys. 
how do you guys store uh, the keys? Do you rely on some sharding or do you guys use hardware modules? How does this work? Yeah, it really depends on the network where we are operating. So like uh, for Cosmos networks, we are using like UBHSM, so storing like on HSM. For Ethereum, we deploy like a threshold signature using like Dirk from Attestant and that's like great software like for in terms of like security and also reliability because you have like two out of three needed to, for, to, to sign the block, which is great. I think that one of the one of the major positive effects of uh, being bare metal and owning your own hardware is you can experiment a lot. So how, how much time do you spend experimenting with novel solutions and sort of testing, you know, what would be the best way to run nodes versus actually spending your time on operating op operating the nodes? Yeah, uh, basically, like uh, we have been selected by Ethereum Foundations as like a Genesis validator on Holeshki, and we have spent like quite a lot of time on like the tuning the solution because like we are running like 100,000 validators on Holeshki testnet, and we are trying to push the boundaries like what's possible. And like what we have end up is basically running all that 100,000 validators out of like, one beacon node and having like uh, efficiency rate more than 90% from just one beacon node. And it's not like a heavy machine, like you would imagine like something like Solana needs, but it's like a basically off-shell six, six core uh, Xeon E2386G and like 64 gigs of RAM and it's running. And that's thanks to like Nethermain and Prism teams. You should have to make tremendous job to optimize that. So have you tested like different variants of the consensus and the execution clients uh, and landed on Nethermind Prism or, you know? We have been testing like both like a GIF and Lighthouse combination and like Nethermind and Prism. And to be honest, like uh, with the default setup, I know like on GIF you can test like different like uh, backends, but like for us from the default setup, Nethermind is by far like the most efficient like solution. That's pretty interesting. So how many validators are there total on Holeshki? I, I don't know. How, 1.4 million roughly. So we have like basically about 7% of the network. So right, 7% of the network is running on this one, running on this one machine. So uh, <laughs> yeah. lucky us, it's a test net. <laughs> yeah, like the, it was uh, just like a test for two days. Now we are like obviously on our like multiple machines, but like I was like so surprised, like it's working. So we are like doing many of these tests, like to push the hardware to the boundaries, because like we also can see like the consumption on power and all the details and we can like the, tweak the biases. So like that, that's good if you have like access to the physical hardware. Yeah. And I guess performance testing is an integral part. So I'm like, I'm not knocking running hundred K validators on a single node. It's important <laughs> to understand, you know, what the requirements are so that you know, one, one doesn't influence decentralization negatively, right? I mean, if you have high high requirements, then obviously not everybody can run a node and then the whole story becomes sort of less, uh, more centralized uh, yeah. and, and less people can do that. So that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty uh, cool in terms of uh, experimentation and operation. How long is Holeshki expected to run? Do you have an idea? It should be like five years, so it's like the next long-running testnet, and like Gerly will be sunsetting like end of this year, so it's like the next testnet, which will which is like proof of stake, uh, like compared to like Sepolia, which is like proof of authority. Okay, so devs are going to be running on your infra pretty soon. That's good to yeah. know. It's uh, safe and sound in 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 the DCs. 
Yeah, um, and also like I don't know if you know that like the the name Holeshki of uh, of the network is basically because of like uh, one of the like uh, Prague waters where like parallel Nepalis where like Ethiopian people are like uh, meeting together. So like yeah, we, we felt like it. yeah. I heard about that. The Czech Ethereum community lives in Holeshovice, so yeah. the, the, the testnet was called Holeshki for that. Yeah, we thanks for that Ethereum guys. Uh, that's nice. Um, there is a the the hot thing, or you know, the recent the, the recent technical evolution in terms of validating Ethereum was DVT, distributed validator tech. Are you guys experimenting with that? Um, what's going on with DVT? What's your opinion? Like for the DVT, uh, we are basically like working with like both like major providers like uh, SSV and Oval. We have been like testing both both solutions. And also like helping Lido to onboard like the new wave of like uh, smaller operators to to those DVT solutions. And to be honest, like I really like the way how you can like spread the risk with DVT. So like it will basically like opens Ethereum validation to like let's say less enterprise providers which cannot like achieve like such a great great uptime like as we as we do because like nobody can uh, not many people can have like a free physical like racks in in different data centers but like with dvt you basically like overcome this obstacle and like everybody can run that like from basically in the end from the home because like if you have like enough redundancy you don't have to have like such a huge uptime for for all the nodes which is great. So you're saying DVT as as a as a piece of tech that will get more uptake uh, in the in the in, in the next sort of year. Yeah, it will become more mainstream. It's really like I think it can become more mainstream, but it's also like much more expensive because like for if you're like uh, using like a bottom operator. You will just pay for like one one hardware, like, like one organization with DVT. You have to pay for like basically like for least for uh, for 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 operators. Yeah, that Which, makes sense. So that's there's sort of like a trade off there, where yeah. uh, if in, to to have the redundancy, you have to pay for more hardware, and unless the hardware is significantly cheaper, it's gonna come out to be more expensive. But I guess more people can participate. I don't know. So it's it's an interesting piece of tech. I'm wondering if if it's gonna find uh, you know use in the market. I wonder like what's what's the what's the point of it? If it's to get more people to validate, like I can see how that that could work. If it wants you know if the idea is to make validation more efficient, it feels like that's a you know step in the step in the opposite. It's, direction. Right? I think it definitely like... reduces barrier to entry, right? It reduces the barrier to entry and also like it's more secure because like no party has like the key. Like it's spread out like through all like four four nodes. So it's definitely like uh, much more secure. And also is in terms of efficiency because if you are like basically running out of four different location, also like the effectiveness rate will be higher because like, you can have like your nodes for, uh, in like multiple locations and like you are sending the block for more locations. So like your effectiveness can be like up to hundred percent. And like that's one of the, like the results we got like from testing uh, the SSV on uh, with Lido with like uh, 13, uh, valid 13 validator cluster. And like it was, to be honest, paying in the ass to set it up because like you have 13 different parties and they have to agree. But when it's running, we were like the like top performing like the cluster because like from uh, with 13 of them, like basically you cannot miss a, miss an attestation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So you're, you're sending packets from multiple locations into the Ethereum network and propagating them faster on your private sort of links, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So um, yeah, helping helping Lido test out um, DVT sounds like a pretty interesting, uh, another pretty interesting <laughs> project. Uh, and you guys also became part of Lido recently, right? Yeah, we have been like onboarded on Bay Five with like other seven uh, or like six with other six six operators, and we have been selecting basically from like one hundred seventeen applicants for this wave. So we are like honored yeah, I heard to Bay be Five there. Was pretty competitive, so kudos to you guys for for getting picked. So how much ETH do you have now? Uh, basically, it's like three hundred thirty six validators, so something about like now thousand. So around ETH. ten thousand, ten thousand three hundred thirty times thirty two, around ten thousand ETH. Yeah. Uh, what's the What's the maximum? Uh, where, where is the ETH uh, going to grow to? Uh, like you mean, like number of validators? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, what's the total number of validators you guys are going to run at peak? At peak, like it really depends on the inflow, like to Lido. But like the most validators are like uh, right now cap about uh, capped at like ten thousand, and like it's. It's like super smart, like how the system is like uh, made, because like for example, like Lido one is like one of the protocols which also have like the the way how to like unstake from from the validators, and the way how it's done is basically like it's prioritizing the unstaking from the oldest nodes, oldest operators. We have which have basically like made the most money out of it. So like it's getting from the from the guys uh, which are like from the beginning, and it's prioritizing onboarding of the of the new stake to the to the new members. To the and it's trying to so it's sort of balancing profits for the validators, balancing revenue. Balancing revenue and also like the spreading of the tokens, uh, like between those two validators to stay like as decentralized as possible. Yeah, Lido was a lot in the news recently. Uh, I was following yeah. on some of the some of the podcasts like Bankless, um, uh, etc. There, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about reaching a 33% limit and what that could mean for the network, etc. So I'm curious, like, what's your as an operator? And there was a lot of discussion on the on the podcast, like, what is the role of Lido? How, what can it force the operators to do? What's the role of the operators? And I heard Hasu talk about how operators participate in in you know governance and participating in in active policy uh, construction. So I'm wondering, like, what do you see as an operator from the from the inside? What do you what do you think about the solution in general? First of all, so you, you as a part of Lido now, you're you have their um, I don't know, you have the ejector um, demon active. Like you 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 sort of understand the relationship from inside. So mm-hmm. what do you feel your position is relative to Lido as a as a node up? Like. My position, like, basically, they are, like, giving me stake, and I need to provide great service. And basically, that's it. Like, they are, like, not pushing me, like, to uh, how, like, should I run my node? It's basically, like, up to me. And, like, the system itself is, like, one of the, like, best decentralized app I have seen. Basically, right now, you can run everything, like, on your, uh, on your, on your, like, server at home, because, like, everything is stored on chain. There's basically, like, no backend data, which are, like, stored on, on Lido servers. So, like, yeah, obviously, like, the, the onboarding, like, portal is currently running on, like, Lido servers, but, like, they are open sourcing, uh, the software. So basically, you can like spin it up at your uh, and, and on your website and like get all the data from chain. And also like the ejector itself, it's reading the data from the smart contract. There's like no behind the scenes like actions and like 
And the ejector, I really like... just to clarify for people who might not know that, I also mentioned this without defining it. The ejector daemon is the piece of code that asks your that emits uh, exit messages for validators when Lido is asking, um, Lido has an unstaking queue and it's requiring some validators to unstake. Is that correct? Yeah, there's basically like a on-chain oracle, and like the the ejector is reading like the from the Ethereum uh, execution node the uh, the messages. Hey, you, you should I like unstake yourself? And basically, I have like prepared exit messages, so I, I just sign them and and it's going out. Like it's not mandatory for me to like unstake. They cannot basically like force me. And like this is also going to change with like the new EIP seven seven zero two. Which will be basically like solving this solution, so like they will have the signaling, uh, signaling like message like to un uh, to unstake the node. But like if I don't like do what they t uh, what they tell me, basically they are like having all the all the rewards are coming to the to like the Lido smart contract, which is then distrib distributing uh, that to me like as a validator. So, like so, if so I, they can essentially, what you're saying, what Lido can do, they can't forcibly unstake, but if you don't follow the protocol, they're able to withhold the rewards as some type of uh, penalty yeah. uh, for you. But that's the extent of the, that's the extent of the effect. Otherwise, Lido governance has to make a decision on various. Do you, as an operator, do you automatically hold LDO tokens and are part of governance or is that not the case? You don't have to. You can, but you don't have to. It's like not, it's not, not necessary the, to do. It's not, it's not part of the job. But like, yeah, you, you should like, uh, you should be holding some LDO tokens for, for the governance. So you can basically like can vote if like, you don't like something, basically anybody can like vote if it's like, again, something and it's pretty transparent because like all the voting is on chain. Are you guys active on the forums? Have you, are you scanning sort of Lido proposals and what's going on in the, in the DAO? Yeah, like... I wouldn't say like I'm the loudest guy in the room, but like still like looking at it and like uh, there was the like recent like issue with like the one of the uh, operators like getting slashed and there were like some comments from the community like to prolongate the the like probation time and I was like commenting on it because like I don't think like the longer time makes any sense. It's all really up to the people and they're like set up how they are like doing that. Right. Uh, makes sense. So what's your expectation in, you know, are you expecting to hold your current uh, sort of being part of the operator set in Lido or like, is there some expansion of operations that you're, that you're thinking about in the future? Like, would you run a DVT uh, sort of uh, validators for Lido or is that something that you guys are just testing out? Yeah, we are basically like testing out and helping other validators to uh, basically join like because like for the new newcomers to the ecosystem it's pretty hard like to understand all the concepts i know it like when we were like starting with ethereum and like also with the dvt it's like a little bit different so like and we will be basically helping other node operators to to get, get started and also like uh, participate participating in the in the dvt like for the cluster, you can have basically like a mix of someone like, which is like a small validator and like then have like a professional validator like us. So it's like, it's a like nice mix. Yeah, I think getting more node operators to Lido is close to the number one priority at this point, right? Making sure there are there are, there are more uh, validators online, more operators uh, to uh, service that liquid staking. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is, this is pretty interesting. So, what else is uh, what else is happening? There's a lot of buzz around in the ZK. 
uh, ZK world? What are you guys doing around ZK? Or do you think, what do you think is the role of, of today's validators in the ZK world? Yeah, uh, for me, like I'm seeing like a ZK as like big, uh, next big opportunity for like uh, validators because like I think for ZK, obviously you can run it like uh, some someone say it's basically the same as like a proof of work on like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but I don't think it's basically the same because like on Bitcoin it doesn't matter like if you can like mine or not. So basically like most of the, most of the like operators are like doing it as cheaply as possible. But I think like for the ZK, that's not the case because like if you do not prove that might be like a issue for the network. So like basically what we are working on is preparing, like I call it like ZK data center concept, which is basically preparing the whole set of like tooling, hardware, software, uh, to be like prepared for the like uh, proving going to the market and like there will be like some definitely I think like some proving markets and be ready as an operator for it. I'm really curious if it turns out that ZK proving is going to be a lot like mining. So in my mind, sort of like a simplified mental model, the the you know crypto world started with mining where it was competitive in hardware more and more, and then more and more effort was lost. Uh, essentially, uh, or maybe not lost, but used up in mining the same amount of blocks, right? So that's where you see this increasing hash rate on Bitcoin. So it's actually more and more effort to secure the network. Uh, then we went to proof of stake, right? To reduce all these hardware requirements. And uh, instead of the, the work, we now have stake. And now we're going back to proofs where, you know, if you think about it from very far, it's like you just you just need to be able to execute the proofs, right? So there's a, there's a fixed amount of proofs. That's mm-hmm. going to, uh, like, you know, you know, let's say in terms of blockchain validation or based on the use case, you don't have to like, at first sight, you don't have to like grow your hardware requirements. You could just sort of run with exist with your existing hardware and be able to handle all the proofs. But if the proof markets become more competitive, won't you get into the same race as you got to in mining, where you're going to have to be faster and cheaper than the next guy so that you can supply the proofs? Do you feel like it's going to be the same dynamic in a few years? That's like a great question. Like to be honest, I don't know. I think like there can be like both out- outcomes. Like what I'm hearing like from the community, like it might like end up like with something like proof of governance. So basically, like they will be like selected operators which can do it like pretty effi- in an efficient and like secure way. Like basically, like so social social consensus. This, these are the good actors. And the second way, and like many networks will be uh, having that basically like Alio. It will be like the same race as like it, uh, it was in Bitcoin. And basically, we are pre- provers free for all. Yeah. Anybody can join, and if you can be cheaper and faster. Yeah. Uh, so so basically, what, what steps are you guys doing to sort of like prepare for this world? Um, uh, how are you How are you testing out this ZKDC concept? Like, what's part of the data center? If you think about it from a mental perspective. Yeah. So we need to be prepared for like both outcomes. So like uh, for the outcome where it will be like free for all, uh, we are basically preparing like our infrastructure to have like six thousand GPUs uh, end of this year ready to run. And we are also working with uh, Ingoniama and testing basically their like Icicle SDK to be like as efficient as possible to be prepared like when things lift off. So I know what GPs are, but can you tell me what Icicle does? Basically, Icicle is like a SDK, which is like working with, with, with the GPU and like optimizing optimizing the, the algorithms there and like making it as efficient as possible. And like what we are doing like with, with Ingonema is also like testing 
how to basically like overclock or underclock the the GPU to have like a best best performance per watt, which is like super uh, super interesting and like needed because like the electricity in the end, if you're like operating like us from uh, like Central Europe, it's like still pretty expensive thing and it will be like the biggest like part of the expenses. So you guys are already thinking about energy management and uh, versus performance. Yeah, energy management versus performance, and also like running like uh, the provers from like a tier three data center. Like we are running like our validators is also like pretty expensive, and like I don't think it's needed. But like on the other hand, you cannot run it like uh, from a shed like those Bitcoin miners. So you need to like <laughs> find something like the middle ground. Next to the goats, like in the yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so, what sort of loads are you testing on Icicle? Are you like validating something, or are you running some some standard proofs, or what's you know? Uh, Basically, we are uh, as of now we are like testing uh, Alio with single name. We are like testing Alio prover like with the performance and like uh, the results will come like soon. So stay tuned. So, so you're testing the Icicle optimized uh, Alio prover to see like yeah. what's the efficiency, and okay, and there'll be some results that are going to be published at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when do you think the prover markets are going to sort of open? You know, do you have, is there any timeline for Alio coming online or anybody else basically uh, provide, providing demand? I know that Mina protocol is running. Uh, obviously, I don't know how much demand for proofs that creates, uh, but I'm guessing it's one proof per block. Not sure uh, to validate yeah. the block. I don't know if there's, there are separate proofs for transactions, but, you know, looking at these timelines, when do you think sort of, more like serious demand for ZK provers is going to come online. I think like it won't be definitely this year, but like Q1, Q2 next year, I think it, it will start off like uh, right now, like I'm, I'm the, on the Solana conference in Amsterdam. And also like these guys are talking about like uh, generating ZK proof for Solana. So like, I think it's, it's getting together and like, it will start like with like Neil Foundation and like other other like uh, other protocols building the the prover like marketplace. Yeah, you guys seem to be ready for that future. Yeah, like I think like well, that's uh -huh. we uh, we are trying to be like as prepared as possible because like I think like it will be huge and it doesn't have to be like just only for like a crypto and like blockchain scaling but like the zk will have, will have like a practical usage for like for everyone also like outside crypto like fully homomorphic encryption for uh, for ai and like this stuff it's not for crypto only yeah fhe is another uh, huge domain that i i think we've never discussed on this on this podcast is fully homomorphic encryption um in some ways maybe somewhat related to zk uh, but that's, I think, something we can open another day. So anyway, yeah. thanks very much for, for uh, you know, being on, Tomas. It was a fun chat. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And see you here next time. See you. Bye.